I'm going to go a little bit farther today in, in uh, Colossians. And I, I really wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Colossians 1.13. It's deliverance from Satan has been accomplished. Deliverance is also synonymous or is the same as redemption. In Colossians 1.13, again, another one of the incredible messages that is in this small book of Colossians, one of those incredible, powerful messages that Paul wrote down. Paul writes, The Father has delivered and drawn us into himself out of the control and dominion jurisdiction and rulership of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his son of his love into the kingdom of light now you could just look at that scripture wow that's great but what does it mean i want you to ask yourself what does that mean for me personally what does it mean for me to be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and now i've been transferred into the kingdom of god's son the kingdom of love the kingdom of light the kingdom of hope the kingdom of relationship. What does that mean to me personally? You might think of it this way, like dual citizenship. We know some people, maybe there's someone here who has dual citizenship. You have citizenship here in the U.S. and maybe you have citizenship somewhere else. But for us, it means we have citizenship here in the United States or citizenship in the world, but now we have citizenship in heaven. We have a connection with a, an eternal kingdom and government that's going to one day take over everything that we know on this earth. Think of uh, maybe when you transfer your assets into a different account or you get married and you transfer in under a different name. Being transferred, there's a transformation and a transferring going on in our lives of transferring important things. In our relationship with God, our spirit is restored to God and it starts being changed and filled with God. And our gifts and abilities and relationship, everything's going to come out of that. But in our mind, will, and emotions, in our soul, there's a transfer of assets in the use of our character. Either Satan uses our character or God uses our character. And when we accept Christ, we can have an initial, oh, yeah, things are good. But then as the Holy Spirit works, he's bringing things to light. The Holy Spirit pushes things to the surface that we can transfer. You know, and sometimes when we get ripped off, we feel kind of angry at ourselves. But really, we should get angry at the enemy for ripping us off. And when light comes on, we should get angry not, not that things are getting exposed, but we should get angry that we've been deceived, that the enemy has strongholds in our life. Because when we get to that point, we start aligning ourselves with God, and there starts to be a, better, a bigger transfer of truth that changes and transfers our, our, our soul, our, who we are and who's been damaged in this world into God so he can use it. Then out of, out of how those things are manifest or how those things are revealed and we get truth, then our testimonies develop because we keep being changed in areas and that becomes our story. That becomes a powerful thing that we share with other people and a confidence is built in our relationship with God of what he can do to change our lives. Adam Clark commentary on that verse. Darkness in Colossians 1.13 is here personified and is represented as having power. And no doubt we see the effects of demonic powers that even though Satan has been dealt with at the cross and Jesus declares, I saw principalities and powers, I, I've, I've dealt with them at the cross and he, and he destroyed them. 
and Jesus even told his disciples he saw Satan fall like lightning from the heaven, we know there's an activity of the enemy going on. And even trying to change our lives, trying to affect our thinking, trying to affect how we relate to each other in the body, trying to cause division, trying to cause murmuring, trying to cause conflict, stirring things up, looking for a way to mess up the body. Why? He knows this is his place, that if he can disrupt the Christian, if he can disrupt us in our unity, in walking together and getting strong, then he's, do, he's doing his warfare against God and, and God's work in building his church. So having power, that's or the, the enemy having power, authority, and sway. And how many can honestly say, has, have you felt the enemy having sway in your life this week? Thoughts, attitudes, murmuring, uh, maybe talking about someone. That's all the work of the enemy. All Jews and Gentiles which had not embraced the gospel being under the authority and power. And so it's through the gospel message that we have an understanding that we have a way out from being under Satan's dominion and being returned into God's kingdom and being transferred into that kingdom. The next thing I want to talk about is 1 John 2, 15. And I hope all of you come. If you don't bring your Bible, get it up on your phone. But I want to encourage you to bring some paper, bring a little little tiny binder, have some paper where as we're going through the, the word that I prepare, that you write down things that God really is highlighting for you to look at. And don't be surprised because you're here and your heart is open to hear from God that the Holy Spirit might say totally something totally different to you. Write it down. Because in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, God speaks. And I'm hoping you're coming not to see or hear me, but you're coming to be growing in the Holy Spirit, growing in God, growing in your spirit, and growing in the revelation of who Jesus is to you. The biggest thing we're here for is for you to grow. I'm, I could pass off. I could drop dead today. You need to keep growing in God. You need to get a hold of salvation for yourself. Eternal life is, is a breath away from us, and you must grow strong in God. You must know who He is, and you must know how to get a hold of Him. You must know how to walk into a freedom. You must know how to walk. The days are getting dark. It's getting darker outside. There's more evil going on. It's not going to get better. Jesus said it was going to get like this. But we don't have to be afraid because God is doing something in our heart that's building a strength and a character and a foundation that the world cannot shake. God reveals heaven's view of the world through his word. In 1 John 2.15, John the apostle of Jesus wrote, Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's going to get explained a little bit later. It's not your families or having a good time or whatever. It's those things that Satan has perverted. The things that are drawing you away from God. That's the world. You know, to just read that blanket statement, you think, oh my, ship me out here, ship me to the moon, and I'll live the rest of my life until Jesus comes. No, it's not that. It's that priority of putting God, always putting God back on the throne. Jesus said, take up your cross every day and follow me. That means every day, put me first when you wake up. Then everything else is going to work out, and you're going to see God taking care of your needs, but you're going to walk with him. I want to give you a word picture. Again, God has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the sun. I keep telling you little bits about my father all the time. My father was drafted, and so he left. Let's, can we say, can we envision America like heaven, just for a word picture. Those of you who fought in Afghanistan or Kuwait, uh, those of you who fought in Vietnam, I don't know if we have any World War II vets here, but Korea, anyone who has fought for this country knows about being taken out of heaven, taken out of America, 
and being sent to a place where people don't like you and they're shooting at you, trying to kill you. And anybody who's been in a combat situation would tell you that is not a good thing. But I feel like it's a good picture about the world. Satan's killing, stealing, destroying constantly. All of us can probably give testimony of something we've lost in this world, something that something has happened to us or something is done for us. It's the enemy working out his thing in this world. So now we have that word picture. There's a war going on. My father, as he fought in the Pacific, he, he fought at two major campaigns in the Pacific, but he talked about the horrors of war. He talked about, you know, all they wanted to do if they could survive was to get home. Satan blinds us with this world that this is our home. Uh-uh. This is a tent. This is a temporary dwelling place. It's like camping. I know if I asked you, some of you would have stories about camping. Some of you would say, I love camping. Some of you girls would say, take me to a hotel. <laughs> we are not resident here. We're passing through. But Satan would get us distracted into this world and not concentrate on growing ourselves spiritually, getting strong spiritually. And so that's this, this thing about understanding we are now in the kingdom of light. We've now been transferred into God's kingdom. So it's like we've got to put our spiritual priorities first. We've got to put God first. We've got to learn to hear Him more, learn to keep walking where He wants to walk, when He wants to walk. Why? Because the world is distracting, and Satan wants to distract us. All we have is a few years. Maybe some of us have 50, 60. Maybe some of us are going to get 100 years plus to work and growing their spirit and getting strong in spirit. So I'm here to encourage you. I'm one person of all the teachers you've had in your life. I'm telling you something. I think as a teacher, I'm telling you what I'm telling you is the most important thing for your life. You can get on the news or get on your Facebook or Twitter or TV and see all these other things that are saying it's important. No. You don't have a guarantee for tomorrow, so you've got to build for your future. You've got to build into your 401k. You've got to put your assets in your spirit. There's one thing that's going to leave this someday, and it's your spirit. It's going to put this, this body off like a bad habit, and you're going to be gone. So you've got to build into it. Out of that is your relationship. Out of that determines what God is even going to use you for in eternity. But Satan is going to try to distract you, thinking, oh, spiritual things are not important. You know, even right now, because, hey, I've been sitting in church myself. And distracted thoughts are coming. What are we going to have for dinner? Where are we going to go for lunch? You know, what, what, what's on TV today? You know, you know, all those have this place. God's not telling you to go and be a monk. He just wants you to keep being aware. Keep feeding your spirit. Keep sowing the word of God. Keep reading the word. Say, God, I don't know you. And I realize a relationship is important. And I've had some different relationships. And I have some relationships now. But I realize I've got to know you. That something was lost in the fall. I lost my identity to really understand what a father's love is, what a mother's love is. And I understand that you're God, my heavenly father, and that you want to change all my ideas about relationships. And yes, I know I'm involved with relationships here, and I know only you can help me have the best relationship I can have with someone because of what you're doing to change my heart, my attitude, and to give me the proper perspective in my life. So there's a war to go home. My dad... And many other people, many other people are involved, men and women today are involved so that hopefully peace can be established, people can be free, but that they can come home. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. 
That's what Jesus did at the cross. That's why we did communion, to remember what's happened. There's something happened 2,000 years ago. That's why he asked us to take communion regularly, to make us remember there was a war fought. Jesus died, but he beat death and came back to tell us we've got to live in a new kingdom. We've got to live under a new ruler. We've got to displace that despot Satan that, that dwells in our mind. He dwells in our past. He dwells in our thinking. He dwells in us. And we know he dwells in us because when we get angry in the car and something comes up. I was leaving church after Bible study yesterday and some lady was, not lady, some, some person, I didn't know who it was. I couldn't tell. Some car was going so slow. I'm thinking, I'm waiting forever. I'm ever going to get to leave. And then as, I, as they finally went back, I said, there I am. There's my attitude. There's my flesh. I just finished Bible study. Something we deal with. We deal with the enemy trying to get us agitated and irritated at people. People are not our enemy. It's the strongholds of Satan in our old nature. And we're kicking them out. Every day we're kicking them out. We're dispossessing the gates of the enemy. Weapons are not flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrowing and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. That's why you hear us so often telling you, if you have a gripe and if it's with us, you come and talk to us. Don't talk to people in the church. Don't mess with someone's faith. Don't let the enemy use you to, to dissuade them. We said this in our, our discipleship class. It was something me and Dora were going to church and we just ran this through our heads. When Satan fell as the highest angel he could be. When pride came up in his heart, he fell. He took angels with him. Excuse me, what power and what influence? And Jesus talks about him. He said he's the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. How could someone like that affect angels who were all they knew was to worship God? They were created to worship God. How could they affect him and bring him out? It's the power of who Satan is. His pride made him fall, but his ability to deceive and gather people around him, gather angels, or now they become demons because they're fallen, and he takes them all, and they're all in rebellion against God. It's the same thing he does today. When we don't deal with our attitudes and we murmur, we complain about people, we are, do, we are allowing Satan to do the same thing. He wants to come in here and he wants to divert people. Jesus said in the church there, or in, in, the, in the growth of people's Christian walk, there's going to be uh, tares and wheat. Wheat is people who are generally bowing over, worshiping God. Tares, they look like wheat, but they're stiff and proud, and they do not bend over, but they affect. But God uses them. It's interesting. God allows all these negative things. You think, hey, God, why can't you just make it simple? D remove all the distractions. No, it's intricately, intricately designed by God to get to our heart. God wants our heart, and he wants to give us, give us our will back. But people will come in around you, and they will try to destroy your faith. They will try to murmur and complain and backbite and criticize, but it's a, it's sometimes they don't even know because they're in the process of growth and they're immature Christians, but Satan will use them. Why? He's trying to see if, if he can get in and destroy your faith, if he can get you off track and say, ah, that's a bunch of malarkey. See, no one's perfect. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, you're looking at the wrong guy. I have to confess my sin. I have to be accountable. Every day I have to get up and put Jesus on the throne. Every day I have to wrestle with my cross. What's my cross? My cross is to be a pastor of this church, and it's not easy. There are times where the weight of the responsibility I feel and the burden of what's going on in the church is overwhelming. And the other leaders in our church are, are right there too. Our advisory board, our people in our team who, who are carrying ministries, 
and, and trying to put into people, people are giving their lives up. Why? Because they believe that God wants to form himself in you guys. And we believe that some of you younger people and some of you older people, God is going to use you to help generations buy into the call of God, buy into a relationship with God, and change the world. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you don't get strong in spirit, you're not going to open your mouth. You're going to be quiet because you're going to feel oppressed. You're going to feel discouraged. You're going to feel distracted to do something else. Usually when God wants to use you, it's when you don't feel like witnessing. But if you're following God out of your own brokenness, out of your own pain, God is going to use you to speak. We had Jack Willis here. You know, we've been hearing his story over the last few years, and he shared something with me he had, he had never shared before. You know, he had his elders reject him. His wife was dying of cancer. They, they said, we're taking, uh, she's not doing much. We're taking her money away. I mean, Jack had all these things happen to him. He... Um, he lost his wife to a four-year battle of cancer. His, 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 he was so hurt and wounded by the church who was trying to help that when he left ministry, he was so broken. He got, in a major, uh, he got majorly ripped off on his uh, trip going back to Rhode Island. And, and he, 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 he might have said this before, but I know he said this to me. He goes, I was in my mother's house, and I was going up the stairs, and God said to him, if you don't do something, you're going to leave me. And it's interesting. The, the Bible says God will never leave us or forsake us. But God told, asked him or said to him, Jack, if you don't do something, you're going to leave me. So Jack went to the church that he was going to, and he, he said, God, okay, you, you, you have to get me a staff position. I have to go on. And the pastor, right in the middle of all that, said, I feel like I'm supposed to put Jack on staff. I haven't talked to my board of elders, but I feel in the spirit we're supposed to have Jack come on staff. Jack said that was a God thing for him. He went on staff. Jack said immediately, that pastor went into immorality and left the church. And he said, for two years, he said, I preached the gospel to a broken, hurting church. And he said, for two years, the altars were lined up every Sunday with people weeping and broken and having tears. And he said, God, what about me and my son David? All we feel is pain. But Jack, because the cross, because sometimes God asks us to do something that are, is bigger than us, you do it. And Jack said, you know, he went through that, not having his own hurts healed, not having his own grief, deal, grief dealt with. But there was something had been developed in Jack from the time he got saved and from the time he started walking out his ministry. It's about being so strong in his spirit that he was doing the will of God, even though it was hard at times. And that's what God's going to do. Sometimes it's going to be hard following God. But you're going to get through that, and you're going to find greater fulfillment in doing the will of God because something inside of you is motivating you and it's the call of God in your spirit of God and you can only do it as your spirit gets stronger than your flesh, than your old man. I've been talking to some of the guys saying it's like having a two-year-old child and anyone who has a two-year-old child know they're finding their will, they're acting rebellious and they can wear a parent out. That's the way our old nature is. Our flesh is like a two-year-old child and it's screaming and, the, and Satan's feeding it. It's like that bad grandparent that gives them everything they want, spoils them. Satan is like a bad grandparent. He's making your life as a parent miserable because he's feeding your soul everything that's going to distract it from God. But I'm saying you've got to keep building yourself in God. Keep building yourself in prayer. Keep reading the Word. Get stronger so you say no to yourself. Part of repentance is saying, no, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's hurting me. I'm not going to do it anymore because it's hurting my relationship or it's hurting someone else or it's causing grief or it's keeping me from growing. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. When am I going to grow? 
Now is our time to grow. Today, today could be a moment that changes everything in our life. That's what repentance is. Those disciples, they had a one moment with Jesus, and repentance took over. They bought into something that was so incredibly powerful and life-changing that they died. They died as martyrs. But there was a strength that rose up in them that they could die in martyrs. We hear all the time of people, you know, dying in battle or giving themselves. Like, how could the guy jump on a grenade, you know, and blow his legs off, and now he's just a... Now he's just like a, a, a quadriplegic. You, we wonder. But in that moment, something rises up out of their heart, and they lay their life on the line. That's what God does for the Christian. He empowers us in the Spirit. He calls us to rise up and get bigger than who our flesh is, and we walk into an incredible place of victory. This place is not our home. We're on a camping trip. And for some of us, it's a bad camping trip, and we're wishing for it to be over. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out. Not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him, of the same promise, for he waited for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker was God. I'm sure he had a hope of having land and seeing his, his uh, family, you know, possessing land and everybody ha being happy. But there was something in Abraham's life, his friendship with God, his connection in his spirit with God, that even as he grew old, he was looking for that heavenly city. He was looking for that place he was going to transition to. And let me tell you, when you get into your 60s, and I don't want to disillusion any of you, but when you get into your 60s, you're a lot closer to eternity. And I tell you, the things that used to get me excited, that I wanted, they don't seem important anymore. But there's a deep, growing hunger in my spirit to know Jesus, to know the power of resurrection life, to know the power of being changed, to know that someday I'm going to be released from this old nature that continually is a distraction, and, and it brings attitudes, and, and it brings uh, just arguments and strife. And, and gives me a hard time or g helps me give, give a hard time to someone else. But it's not going to be like that forever. Oh, you're not home yet. Key verse. You know, we talk about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No one ever says this. Do you know Satan has weapons? Satan has weapons. First John 2.16, kind of continuing with that other John verse about the world. For all that is in the world... And this is the stuff Jesus wants you to watch out for. The lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification. When Adam and Eve sinned, lust entered. And lust took the place of a relationship with God. All lust is, is an over-amplification of a God-given uh, need and thing he gave for fulfillment. All sexual immorality is, is sex not doing the way God wants. God says in marriage, committed to, to one person, blending, putting God first, having your relationship restored back. So when God is out of the picture, Satan is throwing, he's throwing substitutes at us. And maybe some of you can recognize those substitutes. And when you recognize he's working you, you can get angry. Don't get angry at me. Don't get angry at God. Get angry at him because he's working you. He's been working the planet since day one. Okay. Craving for sensual gratification, the world. And the lust of the eyes, greedy longing of the mind, and the pride of life. <laughs> Satan's, 
key thing is the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Um, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. Again, we're hanging on to money or we're putting our confidence to, in a job or in a relationship. E everything we do to try to have some kind of control, it's the world out of focus. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. Now let me give you a few a short list of Satan's weapons. Satan takes advantage of us with our natural needs and desires. Again, we're, we're born into this world broken, dead spiritually, so we're away from God. So we learn that we, if we don't get it, selfishness, if we don't get it for ourselves, we're not going to get it. And so a habit pattern is uh, just initiated that we don't trust God. Our fallen spiritual nature gets overridden by our flesh, by our natural needs. Lies is another weapon. Satan, the father of lies, there's no truth in him in John 8, 24. That's what Jesus said. Um, he's a deceiver of the whole world, according to Revelations 12, 9. Wow, powerful. He pulls the angels out, but he's now working everybody on the planet. That's why there's divisions in church. That's why there's uh, all kinds of things. When we read the, the New Testament, when we read Paul's writings, the letters, the epistles to the churches, we see he was constantly dealing with uh, all the things Satan was trying to do to destroy the body of Christ. This temporary place we call home, our camping realm. First John two seventeen, and the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. Oh, by the way, you're not home yet. I want to give you one verse because I, I felt like it was a fresh bread item for today. And it's Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. <coughs> to be strong, I, I think about, you know, some of us, some of you guys, not me, work out, you go to the gym, and there's a dedication to work out. You feel the pain. It's going to feel painful to your soul to keep going to meetings, to read your Bible, to pray, to practice being nice to people, to practice being loving and courtesy, courteous when you don't feel like it. <clears throat> but these are disciplines that reprogram you and release you from the strongholds of the enemy that have taken over the, your way of thinking. If you've been hurt, wounded, rejected, if you've been suffering, there's a tendency not to want to let go or to get justice. Why don't you trust God with the justice you want? Why don't you say, God, you be my one that gives me vengeance, but heal my heart. Fill me with love. God, show me this way. Prove to me what this guy is saying is really real. Work in my life. In Luke eleven thirteen, I think you should memorize this verse or read it every day. It's, it's one of those things about prayer. Jesus said, ask the Father, and he will give you the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. For me to be strong in spirit, for me to be strong and mighty in God, I need the constant infilling of the Holy Spirit. Eve, would you come? And I pray this prayer throughout the day. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Why? Continually asking God to fill you. I mean, he said if, if dad asks for a fish, he's not going to give him an egg, even an evil dad. He says, you keep asking for the Holy Spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit is Jesus on earth to me. It's God the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the three in one. It's the Trinity to me, living inside of me. 
when I'm calling on him, when I ask him to fill, I'm fortifying what Terry said. I'm fortifying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You water your plants. I know we're in a drought and you've got to really be, I have this one tree I water every day with a little water. If I don't water, it's going to dry up. We need to be watered. The Holy Spirit is the water. The Holy Spirit is the strength that we get in our spirit. What? To do what's right. To keep pressing in. To keep pressing on. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That means it's his might. If you're weak, Paul learned to be in that place where he could embrace his weaknesses. Why? When he was weak, he just relaxed and relied on the power of the Holy Spirit that came into his spirit and caused him to rise up. Jack was telling me about times he's been so in pain, so sick, and yet be preaching somewhere, and this anointing would come over him to preach and use his gift. And the whole time he's preaching, he'd be like going to town. And after he's over, he's feeling the pain again. That's strength in your spirit. That's strength to do what you need to do. Don't try to get stronger. Be gracious and be thankful when you're weak. You know, some of us look really strong and good. I see Paul Castellano over here. He may look weak in body. What that man's gone through and how he's been developed and everything he's gone through, that man has a big spirit. He's strong inside. He's strong inside. To go through what he's gone through and have faith and to have a smile on his face and to laugh and, and to and interact with you with joy, that shows a man who has gone through the test and trial and there's character that's been developed. Will you stand with me? If you need prayer, people will pray with you. We want to see you grow. We want to see you get fat in God.